I greet you this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and ask you to turn with me in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We want to be a Christ-centric church where he gets all the honor and all the glory. We are blessed to be on this side of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and be the recipients of the blessings of the New Covenant, the New Testament, so superior that compared to the Old Testament. I want to read to you the first seven verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle has just explained in chapter 3 by a number of comparisons that the New Testament is far superior to the Old Testament. And we want to rejoice in that fact, Amen. in the salvation and the, and the justification that it teaches rather than the condemnation of the Old Testament. There was no man that could keep the terms of the Old Testament. Right. Jesus Christ kept the terms of the New Testament for us. And by means of death, we have our eternal redemption. But I want to read the first seven verses of chapter 4. The therefore opening this chapter connects us to that third chapter. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen, amen and amen. In verse 1, therefore connects us to chapter 3. Therefore, with this New Testament ministry that we have, which we have received by mercy, we do not faint, because we have the greatest message ever to declare in the world. This ministry, the apostle said back there in chapter 3 and verse 12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not like Moses who had to put a veil over his face when he came down from Mount Sinai after receiving the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Even that was glorious enough that Moses' face shone like an angel. But chapter 3 tells us that the glory of the New Testament far exceeds that glory of the Old. And though Moses may have feared and quaked exceedingly, as he tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, when he stood at Mount Sinai, the New Testament in Mount Zion is far greater, as Amen. Hebrews 12 also tells us. But the apostle says, Therefore, seeing we, Paul and his ministerial laborers, with this ministry, we, we have it by mercy, we don't faint. 
We are going to apply ourselves diligently. And the Apostle Paul did say in 1 Corinthians 15.10 that he labored more abundantly than the other apostles. Verse 2, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. There are men that handle the word of God dishonestly for their own personal profit, for some sectarian creed. And so they twist and corrupt the word of God, but not the apostle and not his fellow laborers. We don't walk in craftiness. We don't handle the word of God deceitfully. There are several aspects of false teachers and false religion that they did not practice. Here's what they did. We manifest the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We lay the truth on the table and present it to men and leave it up to their consciences. There are consciences that have been awakened by the light of God shining in them as we're about to read, and there are consciences that are not awakened at all. Those consciences in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, with the woman taken in adultery, were not awakened at all. They were not convicted about sin. They were fearful of being exposed for their legal faults in this capital charge that they were bringing against a woman. And we have studied that already, and no more can be said about it right now. But by manifestation, the manifest of a ship, the manifest of a plane or of a train, is a list of all that is contained in its hold that you cannot see, and it's for a quick check of all the content that is in one of those carriers, whether it's by sea, by air, or by land. And the gospel has many things to convey, and it does that by making it manifest. The apostle Paul asked in several places that prayers would be made for him, that he would speak boldly to make the gospel manifest as he ought to speak. And so here he says, by manifestation of the truth, we bring it all out and lay it on the table. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We lay it out there by making it manifestly plain and commend it to every man's conscience in the sight of God. This is the message from God. God has borne witness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has declared these things in writing. What are you going to do with them? And that is the preaching of the gospel. And so the apostle describes it. And he says in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, now the contents of a cargo ship are hidden. You don't know what is inside those thousands of containers that the large ones carry these days. But the gospel reveals that content to us. But if it's hid and it doesn't become manifestly plain, it's because they're lost. The gospel is not to, to move people from a lost category to a saved category. It's impossible for the gospel to do that. No man, no evangelistic method, no techniques are able to open the eyes of a lost man. God has to open the eyes of a lost man, open the ears of a lost man, change the heart of a lost man, regenerate him so that he can receive, know, love, embrace, and obey spiritual things. And so it says, but if our gospel be hid, though we do our best to make it manifest, if it's hid... It's hid to them that are lost. This same apostle would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the gospel to a man that has been saved by the light of Christ that we're about to see in a couple of verses finds in the preaching of the cross the power of God in that glorious plan of salvation. 
But to a man that is lost, to a man that is perishing, it's just foolish nonsense. He'd rather be on the golf course. He'd rather be watching an NFL preseason game than to hear that message, no matter how well it's presented. Verse 4 goes on to describe the devil's work. In whom, that is the lost, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It's the devil that does this, along with the depravity of the human nature, keeping them from recognizing the truth of the gospel. And so it's mind control. It's mind control of the most diabolical sort. And that's mind control by the devil himself, the God of this world. He blinds the minds, lest, and so the gospel can't shine to them. And you aren't strong enough to divert the devil, to overthrow the devil. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. And so the apostle would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, as he described being a perfect minister, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, patient, apt to teach, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. We gave the devil power over our minds in the Garden of Eden. He takes use of that authority that we gave him in the lives of the lost. But God is able, peradventure, he does it to some and doesn't do it to others, grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and they can deliver themselves from that devil. And so though the devil blinds us, the Lord is able to deliver us by shining his light in our hearts. In Luke and the Gospels, the devil is described as a strong man and having a palace. And we are in that palace held captive by him. And you cannot escape him. You are taken captive by him at his will. And the gospel can't free you. The stronger man must free you. And the stronger man is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went into the palace of the devil and took us out of it. And then gave us the gospel to tell us what he had done for us. And so the gospel brings life and immortality to light after it's been given to us, because without life, we wouldn't receive it. We have to be given those hearing, vital eyes and ears in order to be able to see and hear and understand. Verse 5 takes up from the last part of verse 4 that the gospel is the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. The most you're ever going to see of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never see God. God's an invisible spirit. The Bible tells us throughout that you haven't, no man has seen him, no man can see him, no man ever will see him. But we will see the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the image of that invisible God, as the New Testament teaches. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. That's the order. God and his glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the image of God, and then the ministry even the highest ones in it, the apostles, were servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, here's the verse we want. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, let there be light. That is what causes a person to see. Let there be light. 
We cannot give that light. Only God can give it. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It would be foolishness to us. It would be hid from us were it not for God's commanding of life and commanding of light. He must raise from the dead like he did Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. That wasn't an offer. That wasn't an invitation. That was a command. Come forth. And he came forth bound up in his grave clothes, which they then had to loose so that he could move around. But verse 6, this is our God. This is what he's done for us. This is what we should be thankful for today who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. We were dark on the inside. It was dark all around us. This is a dark world. It was so dark because we were blinded by the God of this world. But God commands light where there was no light. And us Gentiles that were the darkest of the people on earth have seen a great light. Because he's commanded light inside our hearts to see the light of the glory of God. The glory of God Jehovah in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the pages of Scripture, as we get to stand in the treasury of the temple in John chapter 8 and see and hear the Lord of glory. And those there confused, those there divided in their opinions, those there full of malice and envy against Him, those there conspiring to kill Him. But we love Him. And the difference is not our intelligence. The difference is no method of evangelism. The difference is God commanded by grace His light in our hearts. Look at all those prepositional phrases in the second half of verse 6. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the apostle there is referring to himself and other ministers that the treasure of the gospel, the glorious information that is only of value to those where God has shined his light and shined his life by regenerating them, it's called a treasure. And you ought to be thinking about it this morning as a treasure. But we have it in earthen vessels. The apostle Paul was just another man like we are. And so the treasure is in earthen vessels so that Paul could come into a city go to the synagogue, have the Jews that were there worshiping a monotheistic God and religion from the Old Testament scriptures and declare Jesus Christ to them. It was just in an earthen vessel. And if they converted, it was the power of God, not Paul. Paul intentionally dumbed down his message. True evangelism is dumbing down your message, but simply laying all the cards on the table to see who's going to pick up the cards and play in the, in the greatest game, and it's not a game, it's life and light and eternal life. Amen. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 said, We determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came not with the wisdom of man's words, but with the wisdom of God. And it's preaching the gospel. And here, it's in an earthen vessel, and in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul said the same thing. He said that the power might be of God and not of us. That your faith should stand, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So it's not methods, it's manifestation. And so we want to preach the word of God plainly and simply 
that we might see it by the light that God's given us, by his regenerating power, by the Holy Spirit inside us, changing our hearts and delivering us from the power of the devil. It's a treasure. It's a treasure to know Jesus Christ. It's a treasure to be able to read John 8 and to care what's there and to see the Savior in all of his glory. Let us pray. Almighty God and Lord Jehovah, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We thank thee, Lord of glory, that thou hast commanded the light to shine out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, so that we have light today yet shining from that candle you put in the sky called the greater light that rules the day. We thank thee for that sun. But far more than that, Heavenly Father, we thank thee for commanding the light to shine in our hearts, shining into those dark hearts to whom the gospel was hid. For the God of this world had blinded our eyes, stopped up our ears, and our hearts were full of depravity and wickedness. There was no fear of God before our eyes. We thank thee, Holy Father, that you did command life and light to us, that we would be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we would see things that before we had not seen. And today, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our eyes yet further to show us glorious things about your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in his testimony when he said repeatedly that you had not left him alone, but that you were with him. And the content of his doctrine was what you had told him. And we thank thee for that. We thank thee that you have sent your son into this world to declare the truth of the gospel and to lay down his life for us in fulfillment of its promises. We thank thee that you raised him from the dead and he sits at thy right hand at this hour. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will grant us his presence by the Spirit to be among us today, to stir up our hearts and our minds, to reveal things to us from Scripture, to unite our hearts together so that we with one mind and one mouth might glorify thee in heaven. We ask thee, O Lord of glory, forgive us our sins, lest we stop up your ears, lest we shorten your arm. Heavenly Father, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, sins of omission and sins of commission. Heavenly Father, sins of thought, word and deed, have mercy upon us. O Lord, as we open your word, as we sing praise to thee, as we pray, as we preach, as we fellowship together, take away the filth of our flesh and bless us by your spirit in our spirit to perfect holiness and the fear of God and that we with pure hearts, pure minds, might receive that word which you have for us today. Heavenly Father, as it has been prayed already, we pray for all your servants and all your saints throughout the earth. We thank thee for America. We thank thee for our government. We thank thee for our officials from high to low and pray that you would be with them. We supplicate and intercede on their behalf as you have commanded us. We pray for peace in America, that we might have peace 
in her peace. As your church in the Old Testament prayed for the peace of Babylon, that in her peace they might have peace. Heavenly Father, be with us now. We are excited to be in your house. We thank thee that we have the greatest temple of the living God in a New Testament local church. And we pray that now the worship will come up before thee, made acceptable by Jesus Christ in a way that David, Solomon, Hezekiah, and Josiah could never offer. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.